Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Billboard.com Pop Shop Podcast. My name is Keith Caulfield, and I am the co-director of charts at Billboard. I am traveling this week, so joining me on the other line back in Los Angeles is Billboard.com Senior Editor Katie Atkinson. Hello, Katie. Hi, Keith. How are you? I am fine. How are you doing? Doing well, though I'm moving, and it's the worst ever, and I'm never going to move again. But the great thing is you don't you, you don't sound sick anymore, so there is a silver lining. That's true. I'm I'm now I've regained my health just in order to be a workhorse for this move instead. So it's it's just a trade off. <laughs> um well, the Billboard Pop Shop Podcast is your one stop shop for all things pop and about Katie's move on <laughs> Billboard's weekly charts. In addition, you can always count on a lively discussion about the week's big pop news, fun chart stats and stories. And guest interviews with music stars and folks from the world of pop. This week on the show, we've got a super fun interview with the singer-songwriter Betty Who, who just released her new album, The Valley. See what we did there? Plus, we've got chart news on Drake, Chuck Berry, and Tepesh Mode, and a bevy of One Direction-related news updates about Harry Styles, Liam Payne, and Zayn. But first... Before we get started, if you enjoy the podcast, subscribe to the show on iTunes so you won't miss an episode, and give us a rating or review while you're at it. If you have any questions for us, feel free to tweet us at Keith underscore Caulfield or KT Atkinson. And if you want to explore more podcasts from Billboard, visit iTunes.com slash Billboard Podcasts. Um, let's uh, jump right into it, and I think... Uh, We've got a, a bevy of 1D-related news updates from Katie. I see a trend forming. I'm sure you were probably thrilled to like connect all three of these together into one, just one direction, you know, frenzy today. Yeah, I mean, why merge them into a single One Direction item when we could just have an all One Direction edition of the Billboard.com headlines? I think that's the way to do Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Exactly. So let's launch right into it. Um Arguably the biggest music-related news of the of the three items, Harry Styles has finally teased his solo music, and his debut single, Billboard Can Confirm, is out on April 7th. So several months ago, Billboard broke the news that Harry signed a solo recording contract with Columbia Records, and we've been waiting for music ever since. Well, it appears the time has almost come. On Saturday, a somewhat cryptic ad, actually very cryptic ad, aired on TV in the UK, featuring Harry and promoting the date April 7. Uh, there is some music played in the ad, but we don't know if it's a taste of his new song or if it's just, you know, some background music for the commercial. Um, Keith, are you are you ready for some solo Harry? Uh, sure. Who isn't? Um, I'm <laughs> curious. Do, do, do we know that it's def? I mean, Billboard, you say Billboard confirms that it's going to be a single. So we know it's a single, not like a surprise album. Yes, we confirmed that April 7 means the debut solo single of Harry Styles. Wow. No, I'm ready for it. I mean, so far, you know, we've been we've been blessed with uh, sort of quality one direction uh, material in terms of the proper singles that have come out, you know, with with Niall's solo debut and and certainly, you know, former 1D member Zane and, and his output. So I'm looking forward to what Harry's going to drop on us. And I'll be really interested to see, like, sonically where he goes, because, you know, I, I just don't know what his sound is necessarily going to be. Do you have any wild guesses, Katie, about what it might sound like? 
I mean, I kind of hope he goes in a, a rock direction. I feel like Zayn's kind of got the R&B uh, tied up and uh, Niall's got kind of the Ed Sheeran singer songwritery thing going. And I think that Harry could, you know, be the rock star of the group. I mean, I think he was the rock star of the group. So that's kind of the direction I hope he goes in. Hmm. Well, uh, we have more One Direction news. That's right. This week, Katie, what else is going of on in the world we of 1D? Do. Next up, Liam Payne is a dad. Uh, would you have guessed a couple of years ago that two-fifths of One Direction would be dads by 2017? Uh, well, here we are. Liam Payne and his girlfriend, pop star and X-Factor judge Cheryl, welcome to Baby Boy on Saturday. No name has been announced yet, and the new addition to the One Direction family comes just over a year after Louis Tomlinson's little guy, Freddie, was born. Uh, Liam announced the news via Instagram with a sweet photo of him embracing his son and this message. My close friends and family know there are very few times when I'm left speechless. Wow, I'm incredibly happy to welcome our new baby boy into the world. It's a moment that I will never forget for the rest of my life and my favorite memory I have so far. I'm completely in awe of his incredible mother and how she has been the whole way through this. She's really made my dreams come true. We haven't named him yet, but he's already capturing hearts, including mine. I feel very blessed. Happy Mother's Day, everyone. And, you know, Keith could probably tell us this since he's hanging out in the UK right now, but Sunday was Mother's Day in the UK. So uh, he was able to thank Cheryl a day early for his uh, his new baby boy. Uh, interestingly and, enough, he, oh, I was going to say, I was, go but, ahead. But no, 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 it's okay. It's, interestingly enough, he didn't actually mention the word Cheryl anywhere in that Instagram post, even though she's, we assume that is, you know, Cheryl is the mother. <laughs> Wouldn't that be amazing if she just coincidentally were pregnant around the same time and he just had a baby with somebody else and like all together? <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's not the case. Yeah. No, it's, I, we're assuming it's not the case. No, you know, no. <laughs> um, but I but interrupted yeah, we, you. Keep going. No, it's all good. I mean, to round out 1D's big week, we also got a new single from Zane. The former member released his latest single on Thursday. It's called Still Got Time, and it's featuring Party Next Door. This is the first taste of Zayn's next album, which is the follow-up to his solo debut, Mind of Mine. And it has a very current, very drakey, trop house, or maybe trop pop vibe. Um, the song should probably debut on the Billboard Hot 100 next week, by the way. Uh, Keith, do you think it will give Zayn his second number one? Well, I don't know. Anything is possible. It's going to be kind of hard to top Ed Sheeran, who is currently number one on the Hot 100. But, I mean, Zayn did do it with Pillow Talk, so we shall see. And, of course, stay tuned to Billboard.com as we follow the song uh, throughout the week and see if it's going to build towards a spectacular debut next week on the charts. Um, Speaking Speaking of charts. charts. uh, Yes, (laughs) coincidentally it's like we wrote that or something um so let's uh run the billboard chart numbers and do the chart chat uh number one this week out of our top three things to know about the charts or at least the top three things that we think you should know about the charts um number one it's all about drake uh his more life album debuts at number one on the billboard 200 albums chart and he also sets two new records on the billboard hot 100 chart Uh, first up on the Billboard 200, More Life debuts at number one, giving Drake his seventh number one album, and it sets a new streaming record. 
Uh, the album starts with 505,000 equivalent album units earned in the week ending March 23rd, according to Nielsen Music. That's actually the biggest week for any album since Drake's own Views launched at number one with a little over a million units last May. Now, of More Life's starting unit figure, a record 257,000 units were driven by streaming equivalent album units. And when we do the math, where we take 257,000 units times 1,500, which is one streaming album unit equals 1,500 streams of songs from an album. There's lots of math here. That equates to 384.8 million streams of the songs from More Life during the tracking week. Um, and that's a record. No album has ever done that before. And, you know, we shouldn't be too terribly surprised considering he premiered this album on his OVO Sound radio show. And it was very focused as a sort of playlist slash album type project. So this makes sense that it had such a huge debut. So kudos to Drake uh, for uh, having a blockbuster week on the Billboard 200. But the Drake excitement doesn't stop there because on the Billboard Hot 100 chart, all 22 tracks from More Life debut on the Hot 100, which gives Drake a total of 24 songs on the chart. He already had two songs already on the list. So he actually breaks his own record for the most simultaneously charting songs on the chart. The Hot 100 is 100 positions. He has 24. He practically has a quarter of the chart, which is kind of crazy <laughs> to think about. It's just, Drake, give someone else a shot, dude. Um, and even better... Um, he now has 154 songs that he's charted with on the Hot 100. Uh, that now is the record for the most hits that a solo artist has ever charted on the Hot 100. He passes Lil Wayne, actually, this week with that additional 22 songs that, that pushes him ahead of Lil Wayne. So kudos to Drake all around for uh, hitting so many amazing uh, chart feats this week on the Billboard charts. Um, I have a feeling... Two. Sorry, I have a yeah. feeling that Drake is not going to publicly celebrate beating Lil Wayne quite as much as Nicki Minaj publicly celebrated beating Aretha Franklin since it's his friend and his mentor and his label boss. Just a thought. Yes. <laughs> Just that that is probably that is probably a very wise decision. Uh but it it will not it will not mean that Billboard will not be uh, celebrating it on his behalf and Knowing Little Wayne's output, he'll probably, you know, get another like 20 hits in the next couple years anyway. So <laughs> we shall see. Keep, you know, it, it, things are good in the Young Money uh, family in the past few weeks between Nikki's beating of Aretha and, uh, you know, Drake hitting a new high on the Hot 100. Um, speaking of the Hot 100, as I mentioned earlier, Shape of You by Ed Sheeran is still number one um, by a good long country mile ahead of number two. So we're not quite sure how long Ed will be at number one but it seems like he could be sitting there for a while. Um, elsewhere on the charts, on the Billboard 200, Chuck Berry is back in the top 40 of the chart for the first time in more than 40 years. Uh, he ranks in the top 40 um, at number 33 as his definitive collection, Greatest Hits Album, uh, debuts on the list. Um, that is the first time that he's been in the top 40 since 1972, and it's his highest charting album since that same year when the London Chuck Berry Sessions, which includes his number one Hot 100 hit, My Dingaling, yeah, um, when that album spent 20 weeks in the top 40 and it peaked at number eight on the October 28th, 1972 chart. 
so uh, happy, and it's great to see Chuck Berry back in the top 40. Unfortunately, it's under sad circumstances, but you know we're happy to see him back on the charts and certainly back in the top 40. Uh, third chart news item this week, let's get into the spirit with Depeche Mode. Heyo! Depeche Mode's new album is called Spirit, so see, in, in, never mind. <laughs> uh, the, yeah, I know. Um, the veteran alternative acts debuts at number five on the Billboard 200 chart this week with its new album, Spirit, granting the group its eighth top 10 effort. And, fun fact, the debut comes nearly 36 years after the act made its Billboard chart debut. Depeche Mode arrived on Billboard's charts way back on the April 4th, 1981 dated Dance Club Songs chart when Dreaming of Me arrived on the tally. Um, and of course, then you know, since then, Depeche Mode has had an amazing career on Billboard's charts. And uh, I'm just thrilled to see them back on the charts this week and uh, with a top five album on the Billboard 200. So there you go. Uh, there are three of the biggest chart news items this week on the charts uh, from Drake to Chuck Berry to Depeche Mode and a dash of Ed Sheeran thrown in. Um, <laughs> Katie, Katie, do you have any burning questions about anything that I just said? <laughs> well, you definitely gave us a lot of information there. Um I was kind of wondering when you did the math on Drake's more live streams uh, equaling 384.8 million, um, what the previous, uh, like, how much did he beat himself by, basically, with this record? Uh, Good question. Um, I will tell you that in just one second as I stall and look up the number myself online. (laughs) Heyo! That's funny. Um, Yeah, he beat his own record with Views, which launched with 163,000 streaming equivalent units, which equaled 245.0 million streams of the songs from Views uh, during its debut week. So, whoa, a a pretty a pretty robust gap between the two albums. Yes, yeah. Wow, that's Um, a that's a pretty huge. uh, Yeah, that's a huge margin. It also helps that, you know, there's 22 tracks on Drake's new album, and he kind of maximized the potential of of the set. But, I mean, you know, this isn't terribly out of the ordinary, and it it just sort of tells us where, uh, you know, where the consumption of albums are going, I suppose, as we've known for a while, but we just see it proven um, in in sort of robust ways uh, with the arrival of More Life at number one. I'm assuming More Life will probably be number one again next week, unless some surprise album bumps it out of the way. We should probably see Drake at number one for a little bit of time. I don't know if it'll be as long as Views was last year, but, you know, we shall see. Yeah, this um, whole streaming thing seems to really be uh, sticking around. It's catching on or something. I don't know. It seems to be popular. Um, well, okay, let's let's move on from the music news and the chart news to our guest interview this week with Betty Who. Um, she stopped by the office a few weeks ago, and she was just delightful. I know we say that word all the time, but really, it was just a fun conversation. You just felt like you were talking to like someone that you've known for a while and that you want to like hang out with. She's just lovely. Um, in our chat, she talks about her just-released new album, which is called The Valley. came out last Friday. And she talks about how in the world she got Warren G on the record, which is crazy. Um, and she talked about some of the, the process beha- behind making some of the songs on the album. And she also talked about how she's a pop music nerd, her love of Britney Spears, Beyonce, J-Lo, and Rihanna. 
and how she got uh, Superfruit, which is two-fifths of pentatonics, on her album, uh, and so much more. So take a listen to our conversation with the fabulous Betty Who. Welcome to the Billboard Pop Shop Podcast, Betty Who. Hi. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I am fabulous now that you're here. Oh my God, stop it. <laughs> stop. <laughs> stop the love-in. Um, well, you are here to talk about your new album, The Valley. Yes. Which is out on March 24th. Oh my gosh. And um, it comes after you've previously scored three number ones on Billboard's Dance Club Songs chart. Sure. Hopefully you knew that. I did. I sort of do. <laughs> you sort Sometimes. of do. Someone's, someone's told you. Yeah, sure. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know... And one each in the last three years, by the way. 2016, 15, and 14, Oh I my believe. gosh, really? Yeah, I think one in each year. No so pressure. I really have to get it together this year. Yeah, pull it okay. together. Get gosh. the promo team all right. together. Come on, kids. Um, so because we're Billboard, and because we're all about the charts, Obviously. before we get into the album, I want to know, when you had your first number one with Somebody Loves You, which was a viral hit turned chart hit, Sure. do you remember finding out about how you were number one in the Billboard charts? Do you, do you remember that feeling or... No. <laughs> I, yes, I do. No, I, I do remember. I was living in New York, uh, and I got an email because because you find out like before it's an, it's uh, live, right? Yeah. Because it's like a couple days behind or something. We, we tip it, you off like a day or two before. Yeah. yeah. And so I remember getting an email from my manager, being like, "Don't post anywhere yet. Yeah. And don't tell anyone better yet." But on Thursday or whatever day it was, it's like if you go to Billboard Dance, like you'll see that like you got number one. And I remember being like. I don't even really know what that means or how to feel or react or be excited about it. I just remember knowing that it was important and kind of being so overwhelmed by like joy and also like confusion as to how I ended up doing what I'm doing with my life that I was like, here we are. It's always kind of, I'm, I'm, I'm always very, very uh, grateful and try not to um, take anything for granted. So it was a very exciting moment for all of us. Has someone, has someone explained to you at some point what, what that number one meant and like how it worked yet has the, someone actually told you what these number ones mean because i can we're here i work in the charts oh my department. god do you want to <laughs> it's it's th- this particular chart that you've been number one on is based on reports from djs that play in right. clubs in america so there's like more than 100 people on this panel right they report to us each week they say here's my most played records here's the ones i've added here's the ones i've dropped oh and so we take these reports each week smush them all together and then we find out you know according to these djs these are the most popular songs being played in clubs you know what someone has explained it to me but never that succinctly or like made it that much sense to me so I'm you're hired this, <laughs> Thank you. now you have to follow me around and, and explain everything sure. in my life to me this is this is this is this is why I work at billboard yeah exactly so if, you ever, if you ever have a charts question just call us up fabulous cool. okay great thanks yes yeah. Um, um, so with the Valley, what has kind of been your album making process so far? Is it one of those things where you, you know, are writing and then and then kind of getting in the studio, or are you getting with producers and finding songs, or what's the process? Uh, gosh, there's process is very uh, large term. I think I, um, I, there has been a lot of uh, kind of just feeling it out for a long time. So I, I started. I always kind of like to start writing with music and harmony, and I think it's always. I can write like with a guitar and and do that on my own, but I kind of don't trust myself anymore as much as I think. I, I think especially when you do sort of the kind of music that I do, it's a lot of co-writing, mm. and so I've done a lot of co-writing on this record. I spent about a year and a half going in with different people, kind of doing like speed dating of songwriters and producers, <laughs> um, which I'm so glad I did because I think I found 
a group of producers and people who really get me, which is where this record came from. And I was lucky enough to work with people that I've admired and like loved the music of for so long too, because I'm such a like pop music nerd. Also, that for me, I'm like, you guys did this song in like 2002 that was like a deep cut on this record, and they're like, who are you? And I'm like, that's my favorite song in the world, and they're like, you're the weirdest person ever. So, so that stuff to me was kind of the coolest part about it. But it's, it was a lot of um, testing the waters, kind of emotionally and sonically, and trying to figure out where I wanted to be and the kind of artist I wanted to portray myself as and the music I wanted to put out you know it was there were very specific choices made um and directions taken you know with thought and and a lot of care and time because I I wanted it to be a a honest reflection of where I'm at right now as just like a human yeah yeah that's all. Yeah, you know, it's all I've ever tried. Ever anybody's trying to do, I think probably. You, you were, you were, you were one of those like people, kids, younger people. I don't know what time when you were looking at those. When you're looking at those the albums, kids, right? so you're like to the young. What are they called? The, the little people, <laughs> the, as, uh, the, the small things. Yeah. Um, well, no. When you when you meet like, you know, obviously we know big producers like Max Martin sure. or whoever. Um, but you know, you, you may have been pouring through your favorite, I don't know, Spice Girls album or whatever saying you did this eight Mm -hmm. track eight. No, literally all like, like I, I didn't realize until kind of the last year, like how much of a nerd I was about pop music until it's a good thing. Yeah, Yeah. probably. I, I, cause I was obsessed with tour DVDs when Mm. I was a kid. Which is like a very weird It's very thing. niche. It's, yeah. It is very niche. It's not like I'm obsessed with Britney Spears and I just like have all our albums. It's like, no, like the Britney Spears Live in Las Vegas, like 2001 DVD with the co- the cover with her and the Elvis. Isn't that the one where she, there's like rain on her too With the see-through point? cowboy hat? Yeah. 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 And so I, I've literally seen that DVD probably a hundred times. I like burned a hole through it. Same with Beyonce. I am live tour. Watched it last night. No joke. Like, and I'm thinking, and I, I'm looking back at my life, and and I remember as a as a young person and as an early teenager, only wanting to watch like massive tours of pop and R and B artists, and and now I'm like, oh, I was like training myself mm-hmm. for this thing that I wanted to do, but at the time I had no idea, yeah. and so now I talk about it, and it's it's funny. I, I kind of have like, to me, it's a de- like a definer of if like you're my soulmate or not is immediately so I was with um, on one of the songs on the album Superfruit is gonna feature on it really yes we just recorded it we just got the mix back and it sounds amazing well I mean when you have two fifths of Pentatonix which is Superfruit yes and they can sing like the daylights I literally my producer on the song is also my roommate and he was uh, Zach Waters' pretty sister is the producer of a bunch of songs on my record, okay. and so he and I wrote the song together. And we were like, we have to get super fruit on whatever. When it comes to fruition, he's having fruition. them sing it. Fru- fruition, <laughs> super fruition, exactly. Oh, it's good. It's really good. Um, when that when it happened, he was like, they he had Scott and Mitch sing for about ten seconds, and he was like cool sounds good and then he, I had to re- re-record something and he had me do it like 75 times and I was like alright do you know how like hard this is for me to like deal with the fact that you're gonna have Scott and Mitch sing through it like twice and be like I think we got it and then I have to sing four seconds of the song and you're like mm, one more time I'm like okay alright alright like at least pretend that I sound good for now um, but when Scott came over to record it he and I were talking about the I Am World Tour the mm-hmm. Beyonce Scott and Mitch both and I was like he was like, have you seen I Am? I was like, have I seen I Am? And then he and I, at the exact same time, start singing the intro to the show. Because she does like an acapella intro of 
uh, deja vu and she's silhouetted and she just poses in the silhouette and lets the fans scream for her which by the way is like the most badass thing I've ever heard or seen in my entire life so she and me and Scott both go at the same time we go baby girl seem like a and we do all of the same riffs and everything I'm like oh you were literally my person you're my person the fact that we also look like brother and sister is like a very strange coincidence I have a theory that he and I were lovers in another life Wow. <laughs> That, that could be a song. There. Yeah, really. <laughs> that'll, that'll be the next Superfruit The next Superfruit feature. <laughs> um, well, that's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> um, I actually listened to a sampler, would listen to a sampler of the album, and that song was not on it yet, because oh obviously she just got it Because it just got finished. Fresh, so. out, fresh out of the Superfruit oven. Yeah. Um, well, um, one of those number ones that I mentioned earlier was actually a cover of Donna Lewis's I Love You Always Forever, mm-hmm. which I believe is going to be on the album. Yes, it is. Correct. Last song on the album. Um, have you, I'm assuming you probably told this story before. Have you heard from Donna Lewis oh, at yeah. some point? Oh, my God. Donna and I tweet. But you're, you're besties. <laughs> Donna and I are basically best friends. I am completely obsessed with Donna Lewis. I There's so much... I think for a song like that, it was so important to me. And so to do it my own way, and I did kind of, it's its not completely different. And it really, I, I tried to capture the essence of what made me love that song initially. Because it's like, don't fix it if it's not broken. Right. I remember when we sat down to produce it, I was like, we were like, should we change the chords? And I was like, no, it's so good. We don't need to do really anything except for just make it us. And so doing that, I think... Donna could have been one of two ways. She could have been like, who is this girl? Why is she singing my song this way? Like, she's blasphemed my whole life. But instead she was like, this is so cool and you did it justice. And was like tweeting me and like supporting it and sending it out on her Twitter. And I was like, Donna, you're the best. So we, she, uh, she's been very lovely and supportive. And, I, and I'm really like so grateful for kind of her, like the grace that she has shown um, allowing me to sing and perform the song that I have loved my whole life and there are so few songs I think also in my life that I I wish that I could perform like I'm gonna get you good by Shania Twain is another one of those (laughs) like wish I'd written that song wish it was mine like crazy and so I love you always forever is top of that list and every night I perform it it's one of my favorite songs to perform now and and it's not mine and it's the only song that I do that's not mine um so I think that makes it it's really special to me well, and let's talk about some of the other songs yeah. on the new album. Oh I can't believe I'm doing I've been t- talking about making this record for so long. And, like, <laughs> this is the first, like, real interview I've talked about the actual songs on the record. And it's, I don't even know how to feel. And we've actually now. heard some of them, too. <gasps> really so we can talk about it. Well, Some Kind of Wonderful is your current single. Yes. Um, and it's total just pure pop and fun. Smash you in the face. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and your vocals are kind of, like, distorted. Yeah. It's just got such a cool sound in general. So how did that all come together? I was in with, I had four days with Papa Nook, and we did a song a day. Um, and on the third, and on the third day, the third day. <laughs> we, we had finished uh, the song for the day, and we were kind of sitting and talking about, uh, talking about my project and sort of how I felt and, and where I was and my concerns and my, the things I was excited about, and we were listening to music. And, and I remember telling them, like, I just want to have a song that is so easily accessible and so big and makes people feel something so much mm-hmm. that 
it's sort of undeniable in that way. And I, and I think we were talking about Walking on Sunshine by Katrina yeah. and the Waves mm-hmm. and how that actually is a really big inspiration for this song because the chorus is, it's about a romance. It's like, I used to think maybe you love me, but now I know that it's true. But then the chorus is just, I'm walking on sunshine and don't it feel good. It's not about that. Mm-hmm. It's not about the love. And so I, I did that also. That was kind of inspired for some kind of wonderful. And the verses, it's like, I've been thinking we're meant to be. Like, yeah, it's a love song, but then the chorus is for everybody. It's feeling tonight some kind of wonderful. That's all it is. Um, and I remember I, I came in the next day after we had this whole conversation and the next morning I went in and they had gotten there early because every other day I think I had been there before them and I, I got there and they had already been working for like three hours and they were like, we've got a track that we want to play you know? and we think <laughs> it's kind of crazy and you might hate it, but if you like it, it'd be so tight. <laughs> and they played it for me and I was like, this is the, fu- the craziest thing I have ever heard. And I, he was like, what are you going to do over that verse? I was like, yell, I guess. What else am I supposed to do? It's so crazy and out. Like, I don't know what else to do, so I'm just going to yell. And I think we wrote it in like an hour and a half. It's oh, wow. Because like, at that point, it was so like already almost finished. I was like, I know exactly what we're doing. It was so much fun. That's wow. amazing. Yeah. Um, another track on the album, You Can Cry Tomorrow. Yes. Um, I love it. It has this great like synthy intro. And then it like that synthy part like kind of weaves throughout the rest of the song. And it has, it has, like, this very, like, sleek, like, kind of, to me, it reminds me of, like, has this, like, 80s vibe, but it's not 80s, quote-unquote. Sure. Um, and your vocals have this, like, really cool dreamy quality to them, and you hit these, like, sort of high falsetto-y parts. Yeah. Um, I just love the song. Oh, my God, thank you. And I just you. want you to tell me all about it. Oh, and, my gosh. Like, I can tell you anything you want to How it came to fruition. We'll keep saying that Yeah, word. super fruition. Um, <laughs> it, that song is actually the only song on the record that is about um, a girlfriend of mine. She... Uh, she I, she always gets mad at me because I like drag her in interviews all the time. I'm like, no, I'm not dragging you. Everyone knows you have horrible taste in men. It's like, not my fault <laughs> that I'm telling the truth. I can't help it that you're <laughs> yeah, inspiring exactly, exactly. me. <laughs> so she, because basically she is, it's not her horrible taste in men. It's just that she is literally a goddess, like queen deserves the world. And she keeps happening. And I think everybody, I've done this for years of my life, finding yourself in positions where you're with somebody who does not appreciate that about you. And it's really hard to watch from the outside because you're going, well, you stop it because these guys don't understand how perfect and beautiful and like important you are. And this song is basically about how sometimes she lets people define how she feels about herself. And it makes me incensed because I think she's so wonderful. And that so this song came out of basically not only her, but all my girlfriends who I think so many of them like don't know their worth and how spectacular they are. And so this song is about me kind of trying to be like, do you understand that, one, I'm going to get you so drunk. (laughs) Two, stop feeling sorry for yourself because that guy is trash and you were a queen. And three, like, this, this is what friends are for. And like this is this is all you need to know about. This is the most important part of your life or the people that love you for all that you are. And so I went in with Peter and, and Zach and we wrote over, um, Oliver had this track already. We were in the studio. And we were kind of messing around with some stuff. We started a couple things from scratch. And we were like, oh, I don't really know what we want to do yet. And we got this track from Oliver. And we hear it. It's, we, we have like six or seven tracks from Oliver. And they're so crazy that we, like, all of these tracks are just tracks that they've been, like, laying around. They're like, oh, whatever. Like, they're fine. And they're, like, incredible. <laughs> like, oh, every single one of them are like, these are all so good. But we heard this one. And immediately we were all like, this is what we're writing to. And I remember we got to the the bridge. The bridge part of that song mm. is my probably my favorite part of my entire album. Wow. If it gets heavy, heavy. That part of that song is like 
the pinnacle of my entire record. I was like, I'll never be better than this moment. Um, it's my Donna Summer, like, like disco moment. I can't, it's, it's one of my favorite songs and it's one of the instant grats on the record. So it's coming oh. out like March 3rd. Nice. It's well, the next one to be, to be released. Well, then when people actually hear this interview, they'll, they could probably already own the track. I hope so. <laughs> oh my gosh. Let's, let's try to encourage people yeah. to pre-order the album. Yeah. So another one that we got to hear was the Bouncy Free to Fly. Yes. Which features Warren G. So how did that happen? How in the world did Warren G get on your album? Honestly, it's, it's like I feel like I've never been cooler than I am when I'm like associated with Warren G. Um, I, we, the, the track is super West Coast influenced yeah. and a lot of the record is, is sort of about the last year and a half of my life moving to L.A., the kind of transition of my life, I think, uh, if I if I may, between girl and woman. Um, I think, <laughs> to quote Britney yeah, Spears. Exactly. Not, I am not yet a girl, not <laughs> yet a woman. Um, which, by the way, like totally does not get enough credit for being like an incredibly written song. So, like, just put a pin in that. Um, but I, I think that "Free to Fly" was one of is one of the songs that to me is like the embodiment of finding a love for LA because I really loved New York for so long and I think that really influenced my music you know I talk about it all the time in my songs and so moving to LA I was like what else I have to write about something else and so I think Free to Fly is super like oh I moved to LA and I'm happy now Mm -hmm. and uh and it is about letting go of a relationship and, and letting go of somebody who you are better off without and it should be as easy as that and did you hear the Warren G rap Mm -hmm. yeah I literally am obsessed with him and we got it in and I heard it and I was like this is probably the coolest thing that's ever happened to me like to be honest um so I like you moved to LA and you have to get Warren G on a song obviously well because we wrote it (laughs) and we were like there has to be a feature on it and we kind of threw around a bunch of names and every time Zach was like Warren G Warren G should be on (laughs) it and I was like that'd be cool but he'd never do it and then so finally we like like we had taken so long to reach out and we were like what the album's coming out we have to get a feature and some like my manager knows Warren G's manager or somebody and like asked and he was like yeah I'll do it he yeah. heard the song and, and like an hour later he was like I love it I'll do it oh and I was like oh my god it's that easy <laughs> yeah it's that easy Some sometimes usually it's only not. that easy when it's a great song from a right, great artist right. well, well maybe I guess we'll find out yeah. <laughs> um, before we wrap up since you mentioned Beyonce and oh god, Britney and because you're on the same label as Britney Warren. have you met Britney and Beyonce yet by the way please like I would not be sitting here today with you if I had met Beyonce and or Britney Spears. <laughs> okay. Um, probably my top two. Oh, I have like top my top three favorite pop artists probably of all time. Like Beyonce's probably number one. Britney Spears is probably number two. And then like Rihanna and Jennifer Lopez are tied for number three. So work in the '90s divas actually. Oh, well, I, 2000s divas yeah, actually. Oh, I, I I was raised born and raised on <laughs> Jennifer Lopez. Are you kidding me? So. If I were to be in the presence of, particularly Jennifer, Brittany, and because Rihanna's so cool, I feel like yeah, I could hang, like I want to hang out with Rihanna. But mm-hmm. but Jennifer and, and Brittany and Beyonce, I'm like I am not worthy. So no, I have not met any of them. I did sing for Beyonce. You did at the Billboard. I was at the Billboard Women in Music. Oh event my goodness! When I sang the Ariana cover Sorry. for She's Ariana, I apologize. That's Beyonce a, was there. That's and so amazing. You, nobody told me that Beyonce was going to be there on purpose because I would lose my mind. <clears throat> and my MD, who was playing guitar with me, he walked in and he was like, "Oh, like Beyonce just got here." And I was like, "I'm sorry, what did you say?" And I see my manager in the back going like, "No, don't, 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 don't stop it, stop it." <laughs> And I was like, Beyonce is here. I'm like in hair and makeup. I'm like in tears. And everyone's like, oh God, oh no, what are we going to do? And I have probably never, I almost blacked out on stage. I still to this day 
haven't watched the video of me singing it because I am so, I was so nervous that I got off stage and I was like, I have no recollection of what just happened. Because you're sitting, I'm sitting on stage and directly in front of me is Ariana Grande, Taylor Swift. Beyonce was in the back. I didn't see Beyonce when I was singing. And I also couldn't look at, because I like didn't want to look around or for fear that I would literally pass out. Um, I don't get nervous very often. And I was shaking coming off stage from that performance. Wow. Have you seen, this makes you wonder if you've seen the J-Lo Vegas show yet. I have, can I tell you? Here, let me, let me quit. Katie was there opening night. Yeah. Oh yeah. (laughs) So good. So Vanessa, who is sitting right here quietly, (laughs) Vanessa and I went to Vegas to see both Jennifer Lopez and Mariah Carey. Okay. I went in kind of with the expectation that I would be like a little more excited about Mariah Carey. I don't know why. I was just like, I'm really like J-Lo's gonna be fun, but I'm really excited about Mariah. I saw J-Lo first, the first night, and I was gagged, scream, screaming every word. Didn't know I knew every word to every Jennifer Lopez. Right. All songs yeah. I didn't even know I knew, I knew every word. It's the Spanish one, singing in Spanish. I'm like, what is <laughs> happening to me? I am so in, it like taken over by the spirit of Jennifer. And I was seeing Mariah the next night, and I still had the best time, but all I could think about was Jennifer Lopez the whole time. And so I like ever since then, I was like, oh, I didn't realize I am the biggest Jennifer Lopez. But fan. it like snuck up on you. So yeah. I'm di- I want to go back. But because I was sitting, I want to be in the pit. Mm. Oh, man. so expensive. The tickets are crazy. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. I like it's like something I need to do with my life is to be standing in the pit watching Jennifer Lopez like that close. It's such a good show. It is it's unreal. Wild. Yeah. I'm obsessed with her. Yeah. For good reason. Oh. Well, we could talk forever. <laughs> yes, we could. But we can't. Okay. Um, because we have to let you go. Um, but uh, folks can check out your new album, The Valley. Yes, they can. Go get it now. And uh, Betty, who will be heading out on tour starting April 12th, oh so make God. sure to go see her on the road. It's all happening. It's all happening. Oh. Thank you again so much, Thank Betty. you so Thank much. Thank you. you Thank you again to Betty Who for dropping by the office. Uh, come by any old time you want. Uh, it was just, she was just a hoot to talk with. Right, Katie? Yes. And I think that we should just hire her because she might know more about music than we do. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> she, 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 I mean, as you listen to the interview, she, you know, she talked about how like she was one of those, those nerdy pop music types where she was like, oh my God, you like produced like the seventh track on so-and-so's album back in like 1990. I'm like, She's one of those pop music nerds, and she's like a student of pop music. And so I think it's just, you know, she's just lovely. And uh, now uh, it is time, I think, for our Charts Dad of the Week. Forty years ago this week, Fleetwood Mac's massively successful album, Rumors, hit number one on the Billboard 200 chart. The set reached the top of the list on April 2nd, 1977, and would spend a whopping 31 weeks at number one. That is the longest run at number one for an album by a group in the charts history. No one's beat that yet. At least no group has. The 11-song set is just wall-to-wall with now classics like Go Your Own Way, Don't Stop, You Make Love and Fun, and the band's only number one Billboard Hot 100 hit, Dreams. The album went on to sell more than 20 million copies in the U.S., according to the Recording Industry Association of America, and it won the Grammy Award for Album of the Year. Fleetwood Mac would hit the top of the Billboard 200 twice more with 1982's Mirage, and again in 1997 with the live album The Dance. The band last released a full-length studio album way back in 2003, 
with Say You Will. Will they have a new album soon? Mm, I don't know. I think that's still up in the air right now. But you can catch them certainly uh, on tour probably in the next year or two. They're going to play that classic West and classic East festival show this summer. And then they're probably going to mount another tour maybe later on this year or early next year. Stay tuned for more details on that. Will we get a new album from them? I'm crossing my fingers because I really want one. Um, none of that didn't, was in the script. I was just, I was just running Stevie off script say, there. say Stevie said, "Never say never," right? Yeah, she she did say, "Never say never." Um, I'm going to hold her to that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we shall see. But anyways, there you have it. Forty years ago this week, Fleetwood Mac topped the Billboard 200 with the phenomenally successful album Rumors. So, uh, we've come to the end of the show, Katie. Um, any parting words? Any final thoughts? Any any more? Should we, do, do we know if Louie or Niall are doing anything this week that might pop into the news next week? Actually, yes. <laughs> we actually oh. did a, we did a roundup of, uh, of One Direction headlines over on Billboard.com, which is what inspired my news this week. And uh, Louie... Um, actually uh just i think went platinum with his song with steve aoki just hold on and um then uh niall is in the studio right now so he's making Hmm. uh working on an album so all the boys have big news yeah, and and weirdly, when I when, not weirdly, I I failed to mention Louie earlier when I said that all the One Direction guys have dropped you know proper solo singles that have that have been great. I meant to include Louie and Steve because I actually like the Louie and Steve song a whole lot. Me so, too. So far, they're all all doing great. I just had a moment where I just forgot. I had a one D blank out. I apologize. <laughs> um, well, I hope what song? I hope our listeners uh, really like One Direction and Drake because they got a lot of it this week. Yeah, exactly. I know it's it's really just it's it's just the Drake and One D show. It's the One Drake show, really, is what's happening. Um, what song should we go out on, Katie? Well, you know, when you were talking about Depeche Mode earlier, it made me realize I heard Policy of Truth on my drive in this morning, and what a bomb song that is. So I think that we should go out on Policy of Truth. Great. Well, we will do that, and uh, we we'll see you guys next week. Bye. Bye. Are you on the policy of truth?